All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Channel 42 podcast with your hosts, Troy Martin and Phil Morgan. And today we have joining us two special guests, uh, the next in the series of CWISC certified individuals. We have JD, uh, CWISC number five, and Dr. Avril Salter, CWISC number six. Welcome to the Channel 42 podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Troy. Hey, guys and gals. Welcome. So it hasn't been that long since we uh, we just recorded, and uh, just to get us uh, going uh, right off the start here, I'm curious to hear you guys' perspective, uh, Avril and JD. Um, I, I just recently saw a tweet, people trying to explain and define what the IoT means, right? And there's a lot of different definitions out there, so I thought I'd uh, pass that question on to you two uh, to get us going here. Um, if you could just define IT, what you guys think it means in your minds, and maybe uh, something that might be more relevant, where do you draw the line between, um, you know, the edge of IT and what's not IoT? Hmm. So why don't we start with you, uh, Avril, if, if that's okay, if you yeah. uh, let yeah, us lessen your thoughts. That's fine. Now I'm wishing that I could remember the official CWISE definition of what IoT is, because I, I cannot remember it. So um, if anybody's listening to this and doing the cert, don't follow what I think IoT is. So IoT to, mean, uh, to me, uh, because I'm more of a low-level person, what it means to me is um, something really that uh, allows a really small, simple radio to, to go into any device and to put it up on the network. And I, to me, it's as simple as that. I mean, I know a lot of people focus on the applications and get delivered and, and those kind of things. But to me, it's all about um, keeping it simple, getting a radio and everything and getting it connected. And then I think once you've got that, then the application and the world changes. I don't think you can really predict where the applications are going once you've connected all of these things. Awesome. Great. So it's kind of the little pieces that kind of stack and build on top of each other and basically allow you to, to put together a solution that can, can go anywhere. Yes. yes. Based so like on I, uh, connecting two radios. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and getting on the network. And, and I think, um, you know, a, a lot of people, obviously, because I'm a low level person uh, in terms of uh, where I tend to focus my expertise, but a lot of folk, people are more about how does it get a business goal and where's business direction is going in. I just like to think of it as the connectivity and just getting connection and then letting the world innovate around that. Mm -hmm. excellent excellent yeah. thanks jd what, what are your thoughts uh you know i really like avril's uh take on that i think the in my personal view uh the internet of things is different from the internet of people right so for a long time um every device had a personal had a person who owned it and all of the servers and services that were offered on the internet were for people's consumption um, the Internet of Things is about connecting a lot of headless devices or a lot of devices that aren't necessarily going to be assigned to an individual. And so when I think of Internet of Things, it's anything it's anything that falls into that bucket. I've been playing around with a lot of the protocols for a long time. We'll probably get into this a little bit more later, but 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 that's ultimately what it's been. It's it's a light bulb that ultimately, yeah, I control and I manage. But it's not like I sit down in a console on that on that light bulb and I don't consume content on that light bulb. Um, and so so it, it's really protocol independent. There's a, a, a bunch of different ways that will and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit as well, that those may be connected, whether it's just straight over Wi-Fi or one of the other protocols. But but it's about uh, a device that doesn't necessarily have a user from the from the traditional sense 
that is being connected out to either the internet or even just locally on the on the local network and is either consuming or providing services. Okay. Yeah, so let's uh, complete the uh, the loop here and let's go to you, Phil. What are your thoughts on what, uh, what defines an IoT uh, component or architecture or system? Well, I prefer to use the philosophy of IOE, which is a Cisco thing that they brought out, which is the internet of everything. And the point is that the, it's a thing that's connected to the internet. I'm going to keep it that simple. Um, and I also include Wi-Fi in that. Wi-Fi is an enabler for the internet of things. We tend to call it Wi-Fi because it's because we've got experience with it. But an IoT is a thing that is connected to the internet, and especially with AX coming out now with all the uh, wake timers and things, I think Wi-Fi is going to become more of a platform on which we run the internet of things. But typically, IoT is exclusive of Wi-Fi, but I think that's going to change. And I think that the internet of things is anything we can connect to the internet. Smart buttons, uh, sensors for uh, diabetes and such things that, that measure attributes of your body. Um, temperature measurements on the side of big tanks, flow measurements. And of course, we always, we always talk about the Internet of Things as measuring. And I want to re remind everybody that it works the other way as well. We can actually have actuators that can adjust the flow and the functionality of things. So the simplest example is a temperature gauge. Measure the temperature in your room. If it gets too warm or too cold, it sends a message. And another system activates a heater or a cooler, an air conditioner or something to change the temperature. So it's like a feedback loop. And I think, I think that's the biggest impact we have on the Internet of Things. Then, of course, we have fun things. My Christmas lights are controlled as an Internet of Thing just simply because I don't want to walk outside and unplug them every evening. So I have a little IoT device that I plugged into my uh, smart things, and uh, I can now control my Christmas lights from my iPhone. And uh, that's a simple application. But I think we have more and more applications coming where IoT is going to, to impact our lives in many ways, hopefully all of which good. If it starts sending robots back in time to kill people, then we know we've gone too far, right? Yeah, so let me, let me push back on this uh, a little bit here with your definition. Uh, so I, I see a little bit of a, a logical uh, challenge when we start defining the internet of everything and say that everything connects to the internet makes up the IoT. Right, so, so JD was uh, differentiating between people and, and things, right? And so that's an interesting discussion because you mentioned the, the Christmas lights and you can control that, let's say from your phone. Um, how's that different than me controlling a screensaver on my laptop? Is my laptop part of IoT or the Christmas lights part of IoT? Are they both IoT? Like where, where do you draw the line between what's IoT and what's not? I don't think there is a line. I, th I think the line, is, the line is wherever the application is. If, if you want to, if you have a requirement to do something and there's an application and a stack you can use to do it, I don't see why that shouldn't be included in the IoT, in the Internet of Things. Because at the moment, we have lots of really cool ideas. Can, can I do without IoT Christmas lights? Yes. But we are finding that IoT 
or the umbrella of IoT is covering medical devices. There are huge changes in medical devices. Um, uh, 802.15.6 is possibly a protocol that most people have never, ever heard of. But if you go into hospital in the next 10 years, 802.15.6 will be the, not 802.15.4, it was 802.15.4. I'm going to make up a letter now, but it's broken off into its own protocol. And it's the it's application. The body, is that the body area network? Body one? area networks. Yeah. It's, okay. mentioned, it's mentioned as a concept in some of the training materials, but it, now it's MBAN, medical body area networks, all based on 802.15.6. And it takes into account devices that send your temperature and your blood pressure. It also takes into account high-speed devices in the order of megabits. That ha but of course, some of this stuff is very, very important. You need to find out if what someone's heart rate is, and you can't have it being jammed by a microwave oven, for example. So protocols in use are very high priority options for certain measurements that are vital statistics for, for people's lives, for example. And it's it's a it's a complete rewrite of what we all think is normal with eight to the fifteen point four. Yet it's based on 802.15.4. It uses the concept of superframes, which of course are defined in 802.15.4. I've been looking into this for a separate project recently, and it's going to be the way that medical devices are done in the future. The, 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 the idea is when you walk in, instead of them having to put on wired devices to monitor your heart rate and other things, they will just simply scan uh, an IoT device, stick it on your body somewhere, and that for the duration of your hospital stay will be associated with you. There's a lot of back-end SQL and stuff going on as well, tying this device to Phil Morgan, who's just been admitted, uh, measuring his temperature, heart rate, um, uh, heart, what, what's the e e e ECGs? EKG, heart ECGs. Yeah. All of this is now coming under the same protocol and it's replacing wires. So we are finding new new opportunities to, to do stuff that we didn't do yesterday. And I think tomorrow there's going to be even more stuff and it's all going to be under the IoT umbrella. Right. So know, that's an interesting point. I really liked your question there. And, and I think um, uh, it kind of forced me to think through that a little bit more. And I think the difference there is the interactive session, right? IoT generally does not have that interactive session aside from maybe that initial setup. And from that point on, it is, it is managed elsewhere, where when we th think of, say, the internet of users, if we want to use that term, it's all about that interactive session and someone driving the machine to consume information or provide information. I think, I think that's a really good key point. Up until now, our entire Wi-Fi experience has been reading email, watching a movie, web browsing. It's, it's very, very interactive. And Wi-Fi doesn't suit IoT for that for the reason you said, JD, right? The IoT is, is not so much interactive, it's informational, information that needs to be gathered. It's gathering information on things, the temperature of the liquid in the uh, container, um, in a um, an oil, oil industry, for example, the flow of material. Are we adding, we're making bread, are we adding the right amount of Additives we have to add, which is controlled by some device. 
which is report in back, a flow. All of these concepts don't fit nicely into the Wi-Fi world because they may, they may need to send information or report data once every 10 seconds, once a minute, once an hour, once a week. That doesn't fit into the Wi-Fi concept. And I think that may be a differentiator, which is something we can look at and talk about maybe. So, uh, Avril, you, you were trying to get in there. Yeah, I was going to say that um, my very first IoT project that I worked on was actually pre-Zigbee. It was actually why the standards were being defined for 802.15.4. And one of the things we were doing was putting monitors on new uh, premature babies um, because people, parents come in, they see them all wired and it, it adds to the stress of the situation. And so the, the health industry has been working on this for a long, long time. So a lot of people think, oh, this is new and it's really exciting, but it's actually been out there for an awful long time. And I also think it's really interesting because once you start doing this uh, from a philosophy perspective, dare I take us down that path, a human could become a thing because these things are going to go inside your body, right? Your pacemaker, your whatever it is, these, these things are on you now. So the boundary lines between, you know, things and humans could potentially disappear. And also this concept of, you know, IoT today is, hey, I send information or gather information. But that's also going to change because it's not going to be long before, um, think about it, um, if I'm gathering information about, let's say you've got something in your heart, you know, maybe they can actually put something in your heart that can actually do something to fix it like rather than you going into hospital they could in the future fix it where you are based on what's inside of you right so you know these things could happen down the road if we so the, the boundary lines is what i'm saying is all going to blur um and so i think that's why i said i think you've got to just leave the world to be exciting and see what happens here yeah. well I, I think that um pacemakers are tuned aren't they by bluetooth today yeah i, I think they are yeah, so, yeah. so you, you go in for a checkup, and instead of them being invasive and, and have to plug into a hole in your chest, they, they, they connect up about a short distance to a Bluetooth machine. It, 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 it's kind of like going into the uh, service center with your car. They, they check out, read the statistics off, and maybe fine-tune it a little bit, and you've just sat next to a machine for a little bit of time. And I, I think I, – I like what you said, Avril – you were using IoT before it was called IoT, I think is the point there, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that terminology we've now brought into IoT, but it was called something else back then. Yeah, I sensors. Think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was a sensor network. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the origin of IoT was when they were working on with the RFID technology and they were positioning it to management. Uh, to, to sell that technology, they, they coined the term IoT to kind of define. Uh, the technology that they're working on, but it, um, I, I'm not sure we're going to solve this problem or the, the, the solve the definition today. But I just wanted to get our uh, have a little discussion about that. But you guys brought up a lot of interesting points. I think uh, that kind of leads us to the next part of the uh, the podcast I wanted to talk about, which is the the CY certification from CWNP. All right. So for those uh, listeners who aren't aware, uh, the CWISE is the forms the top of the pyramid for the parallel IoT track to the, the already established Wi-Fi side of things in CWMP. 
right? And we've talked about some of the things uh, April mentioned. You know, she likes to focus on the, the low-level connectivity. Uh, you know, two radios connecting to each other. Uh, there's a lot of different protocols involved with IoT. Um, but there's also, uh, as Phil mentioned, you know, to, to bring all that data back, you have to start, you know, transferring into some sort of database, like an SQL database. Now you're looking at uh, connecting multiple IoT systems together, right? right. So the, the CWISE kind of uh, brings all those worlds to, together. And so what I'd like to do now is just, uh, just hear some thoughts. Um, and I guess we'll start with uh, JD to this time. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, your, your kind of your, your background, your, your experience with IoT, and a little bit about your journey towards uh, earning your CWISC. Well, I mean, I think uh, like a lot of people in IT, I love to experiment, and I've kind of been experimenting with um, the things that we now call I IoT for a long time. I it was, was kind of closely followed the developments of uh, Zigbee and Z-Wave uh, back in the days, and and had um, you know probably uh, you know fairly early automated you know home for uh, you know long before anyone uh, was talking about it just because it was a it was a good test bed and a good place to experiment and I recognized that at some point that that was going to be something you know kind of bigger uh, so it kind of started there and as I continued to dive and, and dig um, you know we began to see this kind of higher uh, conversation take place around IoT and and um, you know I remember being at Cisco Live years ago and and they were talking about this whole connected I you know farm and I'm looking at that and I'm going well that's great but Cisco sells uh, Wi-Fi gear and you know to I, I think I might have even written a blog about it or something because the the issue of course with that is is to cover you know, a thousand acres in in, in Wi-Fi is just completely untenable I mean it, you know it's it, for for you know, farming systems that, um, you know, they can buy a hundred, hundred tractors for, for what it would cost to, you know, to actually cover the, these fields in Wi-Fi. And so of course, Wi-Fi is not the answer. Um, and so that kind of pushed me to kind of continue to dig into that. Um, when CWMP began discussing it and, and first released, uh, what became the CWISA, um, I was like, Hey, I, this is, this is the stuff, you know, this is, this is this is what I've been playing with for a long time. So when the uh, when the uh, job task analysis came open for connectivity professional, I was like, I'm on board. This is this is the stuff I've been reading about. This is the stuff I've been experimenting with and playing with, and and kind of got into that and um, and kind of helped shape that a little bit. Now, one of the interesting things about that is is even in that committee, it was a fantastic time. Troy, I, were you were in that team, I believe. Um, Not we, the connectivity. Okay, okay, that's right. You were in. Uh, you were an IIP. Um, we had a lot of uh, really intense uh, discussions um, around which protocols matter, right, and which protocols are important, and which ones should we be covering for a professional, right? There was a lot of discussion around uh, Z-Wave, for example, and uh, and CBRS and, and, you know, some of these protocols. And, and ultimately we, we kind of filtered it down to 10, but even then we recognized that we were at this place where there's so much change happening so fast that rather than a three year commitment for kind of, um, um, reviewing this, which is the standard, we actually dropped that down to two years. So, so even, even over that period of time, there's been this huge transition and I've, I've been really happy to be part of that and, and part of that discussion. 
Um, I taught the first CWICP class, which um, uh, I think Phil was part of, and and uh, I kind of feel bad for those people who were were, were in that. It was uh, first time I taught in that format, and of course teaching um, um, material that was brand new, um, not just to me, but brand new to everyone was 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 quite an interesting experience. But we had a fantastic group of people, uh, some fantastic discussions. And then from there, um, I uh, knew I was knew I wanted to still be part of it. So I also contributed to the CWIDP uh, job task analysis. Um, so that's kind of been my, I guess, my work through this process. Um, and then I'll, I'll quickly tell uh, the funny story of actually getting my, my CWIC. Um, I was at the beach um, and uh, got a phone call from Tom. I knew that I was at some point going to be getting a phone call saying, hey, are you ready to uh, to do this? And he called me, I believe it was on a, um, I believe it was Friday and said, hey, are you ready to to take your, your CYs? And I said, well, I haven't taken CWIIP. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, the, they were doing the betas for uh, CWIDP. Uh, and he said, well, uh, just so happens, I can do that. We, we, we can do that. And I was like, I'm, I'm not ready for IIP, I don't think. And he said, you're probably more ready that, you know, based on our discussions, you're probably more ready than you're, you think. So, uh, so I agreed to do those exams on Sunday. So, um, while at the beach, um, my, uh, fantastic girlfriend who always gives me a hard time about, um, not taking time to, uh, chill out, uh, put up with me studying a little bit on Saturday and a little bit on Sunday. And I took the um, I, IIP, uh, first, um, then immediately rolled into the beta for IDP. And for, for people who have never taken a beta exam, you don't take 60 questions and then get a result. You actually have to answer every question that's in the test pool. So, um, so I was taking very long exams and um, so one took one, no break, immediately rolled into the other one, did excellent on that one. Like, okay, I'm through this. I'm eligible for, for CYs and Tom's immediately like, great, all right, let's do it. And we immediately rolled into the CYs interview. Um, wow. The funny thing is I have to give Tom props because by that point, my brain was mush. Um, <laughs> as anyone who's ever left one exam can tell you, you know, you kind of leave more exhausted than you expected. and. Uh, my brain was mush, but I managed, I guess, to convince him that I still knew what I was talking about and uh, came out on the backside of that and um, with, with uh, CY's number five, which I, I'm, I'm very happy with, and then immediately shut down my laptop and ran off to meet everyone I was at the beach with <laughs> at a bar to listen to, uh, you know, to, listen to music um, uh, and sit in the sun wondering what in the world just happened and, and you know, where, where is my brain? Uh, but that was that was my fun experience getting the the CYs. Wow, that's uh, that's quite the challenge. Yeah, writing the, the three exams and doing the CYs uh, exam uh, is the last one of that uh, that series. That's uh, that's impressive. Well done. Uh, I also I was one of the ones that was able to sit your class when you uh, first delivered it, and I, I did enjoy your class. So kudos to you, JD. It was an excellent class. There's a lot of different protocols and technologies to cover, and I thought you did an exceptional job there. So it was a pleasure to have been been a student in your class. You had like about six CWNEs, I think, didn't you, did he? Uh, I want to say, I want to say it was, uh, I believe it was 12 or 13 total people and all but two had CWNEs. Yeah. And so the, the real interesting challenge there was actually 
getting people who had spent you know their whole career thinking about everything from a from an 802.11 and, and a Wi-Fi perspective to, to kind of transition those thoughts into um, you know into IoT, and it's it's really difficult because when you think about um, you know some of the basics of uh, you know 15.4, for example, um, you know you have these really really tiny uh, data frames, and and so a a um, you know a a frame is um, Shoot, now I have to think about it. is it 64 bytes, I believe, um, which is which is so small. And there's there's all of these, you know, little things that kind of go along with that. And, and, and you're you're also talking about transmitting at between 20 and 250 kilobits per second, not megabits per second. Right. Um, and and so there's there's a lot that kind of changes and that you kind of have to consider in that process. Um, uh, and, and so that was that was interesting. I, there were two people who were who were not CWNEs. Um, I um, spent a little bit extra time with both of those because I, I, I'm afraid that we might have lost them a little bit in some of our conversations. But it was it was definitely hurting a, a very intelligent cats. But it was a it was a fantastic time, and I think we hopefully we all left better for, for it. I know I certainly did. Great. Uh, Avril, let's uh, transition to you. Tell us a little bit about your uh, entry into IoT and your, your journey to become TWISD number six. So I didn't participate in any of the course development for this or um, exam development at all. Um, and so I was like the guinea pig that came in. And the first one I took was the CWICP, I think, was the one I took. And, okay, the connectivity. Um, the, yeah, yeah, the connectivity one that just had all the standards in there, all the wireless standards. And, and fortunately, um, I've worked on all of them. <laughs> so so uh, I'm a standards person. So um, over the years, you know, there isn't much on the wireless side that I haven't worked on. Um, you know, I've worked on even the satellite systems, the cellular systems, the WiMAX, you, know, you name it, I've worked on it. So I was the guinea pig that came into that one. And um, I did manage to pass it. I, I was a bit surprised. I went, whew, I wasn't expecting that because, um, because it was just so diverse. It was a very difficult exam because of the diversity. Like when you do the, the Wi-Fi ones, you can just deep dive into Wi-Fi and one, stand, one bit of knowledge reinforces the other bit. With yep. this one, it's like, well, uh, which frequency does that one work in? And oh, and and what, how does it connect again? And you're all over the place, and and you know you're jumping from standards as you go through the question. So it was a challenging exam, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The other ones, I don't think I could have passed without taking the training, um, <laughs> right? Um, simply because it's not the world that I live in. Um, and you know, like I don't do Python programming. Um, I, I'm not working on the databases and things like that. And I found it absolutely fascinating to take the training and to see how um, how the systems were being deployed and um, and really get a much wider perspective. Because I'm so low level that sometimes I just and that's the world I love to be in. But you lose your perspective when you're in that world. And, and this really pushed me upwards. And I think um, the final exam, which they're doing very differently for the CWNE, and I don't know whether I should talk about it or not, because I don't know, uh, I can't remember what's been written on the website, but that one is a, 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 like an interview. 
And mm -hmm. and um, what I found was in the CWE when I did that one, you could submit yourself on what you were passionate about. So I could get away with being low level, and I write all my stuff on that and say this is what I know about, right? And I've got years of experience on this. When I did the verbal exam and got questions at the higher level, I'm like, well, I just you know vaguely remember what I learned in the training course, and I have vague memories of um what I thought about it um and and you know I was like oh please give me a radio question there's got to be one here somewhere and that that was really difficult for me I I, I was like oh you know they think the interview is going to be easier for people but for me personally it was much harder simply because I am rather uh, tunnel focused on what I work on right, right. So, so having having gone through that would um do you prefer one over the other, like the, the video format, the interview style format for CWISE or the, you know, submitting the, the essays um, and then having that evaluated after the fact? Do you have a preference one over the other? I have a strong preference for what they've done with the IoT okay. one because I think it forced me um, to grow. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, um, I'm, you know, you, when you've had years of experience in the industry and you're, you're focused and you're expert in the area, you, you just, I don't want to say complacent, but you can make money doing that. And so why do anything else? Right. You, you've got your claim to fame and on you go. It really forced me and I really enjoyed the learning. Um, and, and I think it's also not did I think it forced me to have a wide perspective but I think it's more relevant for people going into the industry for people getting work getting jobs I think you know being tunnel focused like me is great if you're doing what I do and you're called in to do a specialist but it's not great if someone's bringing me into an IT organization saying deploy this in my organization you really bring me in when you need to troubleshoot something you know very specific and low level but people who are deploying this need to have the wider perspective so I think it's really good for the industry and the mm -hmm. interviewing I think is fantastic because it really puts you on the spot really forces the knowledge and it really exposed my my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities which the CWE didn't right. yeah yeah JD what are your thoughts on the uh, the interview process for CWIC you know uh, when we were first discussing that as a possibility, um, I, I wasn't fully on board with it. Uh, I, I was a little afraid that that might um, uh, might be too easy, I guess, right? Mm. And I, I think looking forward, I kind of hope there's a little bit of a hybrid approach, you know, that there's a little bit of an application process and, and some mission processes. And I hope that there is also that interview. Because like Avril, what I realized is, is that um, you can't you can't go into that um, that interview and blow smoke because it's real time and you can ask questions and you can dive deeper. And if, if, if someone says something that, um, that, that you know, is not right, you, you can immediately follow up and, and go, okay, let's, let's get back to that and, and tell me more. Um, where if everything is kind of pre-written, pre-formatted, pre-checked and everything, you know, it, it, it's kind of easy to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write three essays and, and I'm going to have, you know, technical editors to, to look at these essays and ensure that I haven't made any mistakes. And it, it's, it's a little bit more, uh, it's a little easier to um, pr pr present that perfect scenario, right? Um, there's the, there's the, the, there's a lot of discussion around this whole, 
you know, social media thing where we want everyone to see us as, the, as these perfect individuals that we aren't really. And in many ways in that interview process, you can do the same thing if, if you put the effort into it. Whereas um, when you're, when you're being, you're on a video conference and you're being recorded and you're being asked real life active questions, um, you know, you, you can't really, you, you can't participate in that same way. And, and it has to be real time and you have to think and you have to dive a little deeper and you have to be able to apply things, um, you know, maybe in a different way. It's, it's one thing to know the building blocks. It's another thing to know how those building blocks fit together. So, so I'm actually really, I was actually really, after going through it, even with my, my brain leaking out of my ear, I was, I was actually really impressed with that. And I, I hope that that is something that is uh, kind of carried forward. I, I, I think it'll be really useful. It was worse than a job interview, wasn't it, JD? <laughs> In many ways. <laughs> with a job interview, you can build a relationship, a bit of rapport, right? Here yeah. with this, it's just, an ex here's the question, here's your answer. It, this is very intimidating. It, it was hard. Well, it's also interesting too, I think, because it gives an opportunity to learn that person's thought processes, right? So it's not just a question of do they know the answer, but it's a question of how do they arrive at the answer based on the knowledge they have. And, and so I think that's really useful for it because, because again, that there, there's, there's, there are those items that maybe the person doesn't know the correct answer, but they can talk their way all the way up to it, you know, and it, it's that easy. It, it's easy to go, okay, they have the concepts. They just maybe in the heat of the moment or whatever, they're just not putting that, that final. So, so there's, you know, a little bit of wiggle room in some ways and in other ways it's, it's very precise uh, because again, you're, you can, you can dig wherever you need to. Yeah. So Phil, you've also gone through the video exam. What did, uh, or the video interview, what did, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I agree with everybody, everything everybody said. And, and to the point of it being like an interview, I actually thought it was worse than an interview because at an interview you get feedback. Because the interview was like, well, why do you think that? And, Tom doing the videos, he, he got the question and, and he was like, okay, next question. He got no feedback. So we're all human beings and we're all going, did, did I say the right thing? Did I, did, I, did I say something I shouldn't have said? Um, and, but I think that's, that's, that's good because it gives you an opportunity to give your viewpoint. And as we've talked about, the... The problem with the essays is, did you write the essay or did you have somebody to technically edit it and so on and so forth? And so the essay is a presentation, just like you know a resume. Whenever you send a resume and everybody gets it spell checked, even if they just use the online spell checker or, or, or something. But the interview is in the raw. It's, it's you giving your opinion answering the question and if, if you say the wrong thing, if you say the right thing, if you correct yourself, it's, it, it really is showing you, it's, it's where the rubber meets the road, right? It's when you have the video recording of you, you can say, well, well actually, you can change your mind, but you can show the thought pattern, which I think is more important. Rather than a presentation you've prepared of something, it shows you and your thought patterns and your knowledge and experience in this little, what, 15, 20 minute window when you are asked questions live. And uh, I, I, I actually enjoyed it afterwards. <laughs> Maybe not so much during, but afterwards, looking back on it, I, I passed. So obviously there's that with it. Um, but 
coming up to it and during, I did find it somewhat stressful, but we deal with stress every, all the time in our lives, right? And uh, yeah, it, it's something you have to do. And I actually like it. And I think it's a good way moving forward. Um, uh, to JD's point, I, I see his point. We, you know, we still need to, to make sure the technical requirements are met. So it may change in the future. But um, again, you've passed the exams. Yeah, maybe hopefully done the courses, done some preparation. Um, to Avril's point, I, I thought that was uh, brilliant what you said, Avril, that you had the experience and you went into the exam. Now, that's great because it shows that the exam is real. It's not something that somebody made up on paper and you're memorizing loads and loads and loads of information about something. Mm -hmm. You work with the protocols and you pass the exam. I think that's great news for CWICP because it means it's relevant. Right, right. And while you're talking, Phil, I realize that one of the nice things about these interviews as well is going to be a lot easier for people that perhaps aren't native English speaking. Very because, much so. you know, when they're broken English, it's much harder for them to write essays and, and to get their knowledge across. Verbally, they might, it might be a lot easier for them. Yeah, that's, that is true, actually. And also, there are some people who just don't like exams. They, they break under pressure of exams because the stress and, you know, writing a, 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 I know multiple people that haven't applied for the CWNE because they don't want to sit down and write a thousand words on something. It's mm -hmm. just, they, they'll, they'll gladly bit level troubleshoot protocols going across the network, but write an essay and they start to sweat. Because <laughs> some of us are just some of us just don't like documentation, right? The D word. Document. One of the most important things in networking, the D word. Yeah. <laughs> D word. Yes. Document, document, document. 